you know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry have spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face. Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. Mr. Michael Sedini, hello. How are you, my co-host? I'm doing well. Uh, With us today, we have Randy Mayan of Liberal Gun Owners. How are you, sir? We're doing great, Jake. How are you guys doing? We're awesome. Well, I shouldn't say we. I I, I don't have a mouse in my pocket. Uh, Speak speak for Mike. We're awesome. But I think Mike's awesome, too. It looks like I need to have one of these uh, kind of oriental partition-y things uh, for the next time. I'm going to put that on the Amazon list. It's all the rage. (laughs) I'm only copycatting him, but I didn't want to spend $200 on Amazon, so I built it myself out of Home Depot materials with some spray paint and some... uh, This is... I don't know if the listening audience can see it, if you see it on their YouTube channel, but it's basically just parchment paper that I staple gun to the back of some two by twos. And it's uh, some of your best work, Jake. It, it's my only work. <laughs> yeah. I went out and spent a couple hundred dollars on the whole get up and uh, I don't have a job. Jake has a job and he made his, so we are right. just backwards. Right. Awesome. Awesome. This is, this is part of our, part of our pandemic uh, hobby increase in interest and in activities, I guess, is like you pick up things like woodworking. If I can call it woodworking, it's just yeah. a drill with some hinges. Well, it really does. It counts because if somebody is watching video content all the time and looking at you guys and it just looks like shit behind you, like it does me right now, uh, it wears on the viewer. It wears on the end user. So it's smart. There's a, you know, there, it's a, there's a Twitter account called like rate my room or something. They like rate, rate your rooms, your Skype room or whatever it is, your, your zoom backdrop. And, and it's just kind of all for fun. And they give it like a star rating. It's like one to 10. And recently our governor from Nevada was, was uh, highlighted in one of those. He's, he's got like some, some like red drapes behind him and matching lamps on either side. And it seriously, like their comment was this, and it seriously looks like it, that he was taken hostage in, in an abandoned bordello. <laughs> and they gave him like two stars or something. It's well, really funny. Man, any any port in the storm, though, you got to throw something up. I think that's my my yeah. philosophy. Well, we should probably do our uh, introduction. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet, other than a name and a and a title. So, tell tell the listening audience uh, who who you be and what you do and all that stuff. Okay, I will actually. And the pronunci the correct pronunciation of my last name is Mian. So ah. the the way that we deal with that is if <laughs> if you asked Tarzan. What he does when he's tired, he would say, me yawn. Me yawn. Me do. Right? Me yawn. So that's how you pronounce that. Uh, nobody gets it. That's okay. Everybody calls me my or me in. Shame on me uh, for pronouncing it's, it's, phonetically. It's, hey, man, par, it's par for the course, Jake. Yeah. Uh, so I am the executive director of Liberal Gun Owners. And Liberal Gun Owners is a 501c4 organization that formed out of an online community, which has been based on Facebook since 2007. So we've been around for 13 years. Uh, 
I became heavily involved, much more heavily involved around 2011 and probably somewhere around 2014, it looked like we were gelling well enough that there was professional potential within the discussion community to become a thing, a professional thing, an actual organization. And so somewhere around 2016, those uh, discussions started, and then we incorporated in 2017 into a 501c4 organization. Tell us what the difference is between uh, 501c4, which is what you are, and 501c3, which is what Block Talk America is. Okay, so 501c4, well, for 501c3, you cannot get contributions from just a few people. You have to, I can't remember what the percentage is or what the numbers are, but you actually have to have really diversified sources of uh, input for your revenues and your donations. Uh, 501c4, you don't have to do that. You can have just a few people seed you and support you. Um, That's the first thing. The second thing is if people donate to a 501c3, they can write that off. If someone donates to a 501c4, they cannot Hmm. write that off. And then the other thing, uh, I I would have to have the text in front of me, but um, there's, there's a difference between... I think the way that you need to prove the way that you benefit society has to be defined is is defined a little bit differently for a 501c3 and a 501c4. Um, and I know that if you're a 501c4, you can't really get too hardcore into politics. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So we our mission is pretty simple. Um, in addition to so what we consider the natural part of the mission which is we just we serve and give opportunities, provide opportunities for liberals uh, to gel and get together and, and discuss uh, firearms ownership and to have a place that's, that's basically safe. That's basically safe for, uh, sorry, I had to throw something at my cats. Uh, there, there's a, so if I don't let my cats in the room, they scratch the whole time at the door and ape shit at the door. Uh, if I let them in, I occasionally have to throw something at them. <laughs> <laughs> so where was I? I was at uh, politics and uh, not doing it or something. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So you just as a five hundred one c four, you kind of have to watch uh, how far you go into the political, the political arena. So I was saying that the, the mission for liberal gun owners is pretty simple. The natural part of our mission is that, um, at least in, in the social media. Uh, spectrum right now in the social media arena, we provide um, a firewall for discussions for liberals uh, relative to firearms. It gives liberals a a haven. um, And that's a big issue, which we'll probably end up talking about uh, in this episode, because um, we get, if we try to interact in social media on, in the regular channels, we just get assailed constantly. So um, we definitely do require a snowflake safe space uh, for our guns a bit. Uh, and that's one of the things that liberal gun owners provides. I, w- I don't think that it would be overstating it for me to say that we have probably the preeminent social media center for liberals uh, in terms of discussing firearms on, on the Internet, probably worldwide. I, I think that we do better um, or have a more potent um, concentration than our cousin organization, the Liberal Gun Club, although they might debate that, and that's fine. 
Um, but we, we have a pretty strong uh, reality there for liberals to discuss firearms. And that's sort of the natural part of the mission is, is we're, we try to do things that help liberals to have a positive experience and, 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 and uh, constructive discussion and some education uh, relative to firearms. Sort of the, the, the meat and potatoes part of the liberal gun owners mission is we, we just, we discovered that our, our best, the best way to represent our values is to represent what we call simultaneous proponency, which a lot of people have a different version of. You guys even deal with that, uh, with what you do, which is, uh, it's an equal support for both the rights related to firearms ownership and self-defense and public safety simultaneously. So when we say public safety, we're, we're talking about addressing in the mitigation of firearms related violence. So both of those things simultaneously, the, the hypothesis is that only someone who treats both of those things uh, equally and embraces the importance of both of those things at the same time, only someone like that can truly understand the kind of moves that need to be made in society relative to both topics. So simultaneous proponency is the best way for us to describe what our mission is. We, and the nexus point between those two concepts or between you know, you know, firearms ownership rights and uh, public safety, we call that the firearms ownership public safety nexus or the FOPS nexus. So the best way that we can, the fastest way for us to refer to it is to call it the FOPS nexus, is that there is a place where people can go where they have a maximum concern for 2A and a maximum concern for the mitigation of firearms-related rights. So there's a lot there. That That's a mouthful. To, yeah, no, it's good, though. It's There's a lot to unpack. Um, I mean, I guess I would just start by saying it would be nice to lump mental health care into the public safety or public health even, I would, you know, if I could broaden it a little bit, um, end of that nexus. But I, I want to go back to, to talking about why it's even necessary that liberals need a place to uh, gather unassailed from, you know, whatever assails them. But before that, why don't we define liberal? I think that's, that's probably worth delving into, right? Oh, okay. That's how long do we have forever, (laughs) forever and ever. I I got 56 hours on this uh, SD card. Is Mike still there? Mike, are you there? Are you awake? Hey, I'm just waiting sleeping. for us to, to, to get the Guinness Book of World Records longest podcast ever. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anybody who knows me knows I have the gift of gab, and it's really hard for me to curb myself. So we might we might have that problem. Okay. So Jake, you were cutting in and out. So I heard the first part of the question was why in the hell do do liberals need a safe space uh, to discuss guns, and then the last part was define liberal. Yeah, I think in anything in between Wait, is probably that, is irrelevant anyway because I just talk a lot about nothing. Uh, okay. But you got the two so, points. So here's the thing. Yeah, it's, liberal is a tough thing. Um, there's So there's the, the philosophical part of being liberal, and then there's the political manifestation of being a liberal. And then there's what society does with the term. So we had to understand liberalism through our window which is being gun owners and liberal gun owners have to be minded differently 
than other people because our very existence uh, screams for a two-front culture fight. And so we can't afford to be as naive and ignorant and perhaps broad as other people with their understanding of their definition. So we had to, we've taken years and have had to take years to understand what it is that liberal means through our view. And uh, it really boils down to this. So if the modern political liberal, not the philosophical liberal, and most people are political liberals when they're liberals, they don't have a distinct or significant relationship to existential philosophy or, or social philosophy or anything like that. They're just a machine of reactivity towards the, the abuses that society places on humans. So that's not necessarily when you're in that place, that doesn't necessarily make you a liberal in our view. Really what has to happen is you have to have a philosophical, somewhat of a philosophical relationship to liberalism. And that is going to come out of the same place as an American. That's going to come out of the same place that libertarianism comes out from. So the European Enlightenment uh, starts this place where philosophers and thinkers are contemplating life and they're starting to see because they're European and they're largely going to be uh, influenced by their Christianity, they're going to start to see life as the rules that humans make and the rules that nature makes or divinity or nature through divinity. Okay. So laws that men make or humans make are not the same as universal natural laws. Okay, they're two different things. Sometimes they cross over and sometimes they don't. And in the mind of somebody who considers what's called the natural law tradition, that, that wherever you have a conflict between a human-made law and a natural law or a divinely created law, the, the natural law wins. Okay, so this natural law tradition is where you start to get the roots of both liberalism and libertarianism. At least when it's done properly, we would argue. So when, when you're in the position of considering universal rights for humans, you start to then see how it is that institutions that are created by humans, government, religion, uh, the military, uh, the marketplace, these, these things that are created by humans uh, have a tendency often to abuse individual humans. Okay, so institutions, institutions will have a tendency to abuse individuals. And so in the consideration of universal rights, that's a problem. It's a big problem, and historically it's a problem. So those that are steeped in the natural law tradition are going to take this universal process of understanding human values and human rights and start to analyze institutions for their abuses, and then they're going to want to do one or two things. 
They're going to want to reform that institution or destroy it. Those two things only. You're going to either say, hey, X, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you not you this is you're you're rubbing the rhubarb of humanity in the wrong way. So you need to change. So you're you're either going to reform what's happening or we're going to help you to reform or we're going to tear you to the ground or we're going to burn you down. Okay. So that basic dynamic is at the root of liberalism. Okay. It's looking at the abuses that human institutions lay upon people, having a general understanding of how all people matter, how all people count. And when those institutions cross the line, we're going to push them back or we're going to destroy them. Okay. That's the root. Now all we have to do is take that concept and drag it through the 1960s. So that's it. You take that and then you add all of our understanding for civil rights that come out of the 60s, uh, people of color, women, LGBTQ, caring about the environment, okay, uh, helping the little guy, right? You're, you're taking those two things and you put them together. Now, the interesting thing for us is that what happened was along the way, we also understood the importance of the universal importance of self-defense and how that relates to the firearm. And so that makes us pretty odd in, in the way that we swept in the second amendment to that basic thing. So that's what we consider to be liberalism. It's not, Hey, you voted for Obama. That, I mean, that's about the most superficial way you, you could think about it. Um, so, so that's the sort of the depth of it. And, and so the, the, what most people react to when they're reacting to liberals, when they're reacting online, what most gun owners do when they go, when they say libtards or whatever, is they're reacting to the most superficial understanding of what a liberal is. And, and granted, most liberals are superficial. And why is that? Because most humans live superficially. How many, how many gun owners could talk to me about Heller for an hour? Not very many. How many gun owners know what the natural law tradition is and how that feeds into the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution uh, and the Bill of Rights? Not very many. They talk like they do, but they, they're not really, they don't have a real deep relationship to it. So this is sort of the problem also with liberals is that they don't have a very, liberals are more superficial with their relationship to this, the concept and they're just highly political and tribal. And so does that get us started sort of on the way? I mean, it's quite a lot more to unpack than the first thing. Yeah. It sounds to me like there's a lot more commonalities with liberalism and libertarianism than than there are with uh, with any of our, like you said, superficial understandings of what those concepts are, uh, yes. because it requires thought. And I think, you know, I mean, if I could soapbox very briefly, I think we've just gone Go to for a, a place where, no, I mean, very, very briefly, I think we've just gotten to a place now in society, especially Western society, where we're just intellectually lazy. We, we operate yeah. off of sound bites and talking points, and we don't bother to analyze the roots of any of our belief structures, but we get a very agitated limbic emotional response when those belief structures are questioned which is why a lot of what i do is is promoting 
question your own belief structure so you know why they come from where they come from, why you believe what you believe, where they originate. And then when they're examined, you can go, yeah, let's examine it together because I've already done it. I'm not threatened yeah. by your examination of my beliefs. And I think what yeah. we've got when you don't have personal self-examination of beliefs, you've got uh, a reflexive response to the, the questioning of the talking points, which is just the superficial representation of those beliefs. Um, my question, I guess, right. is like, how did it become right versus left politicized other than, you know, maybe it's an Occam's razor thing where it's, you know, the simplest explanation is the best one, where conservatives yeah. believe that they are about small governance, which really isn't conservatism, it's libertarianism, and they, uh, they believe in... Uh, you know, if, if we're going to hold the government accountable, we must all have arms in case that government decides to overreach or encroach, and then we can fight back versus leftism, which traditionally has its roots in big government, overarching government that um, wants to take away the, the people's ability to push back. And I, I don't know, maybe that's oversimplified, but how did it become politicized? Right. I'm, I'm baffled by this. Uh, I, I think that that shift has only occurred basically in the last 30 years, probably 40 years. Um, I'm not, I only have like a Renaissance man's understanding of all these associated things. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not somebody that spends a lot of time thinking about politics. I only think about the political realm because I have to. So, I, I know that there is a line of study out there that covers this very well, much better than I could. Uh, I do know that it's only occurred really in the last 30 or 40 years. This ex What you're talking about is things becoming more narrow and constrictive and superficial, and, and basically it becomes a political pigeonholing reality. Yeah, and binary where, too, right? Uh, if you're this, you're this. If you're mm -hmm. this, you're... Yeah, if you're this, you're this. If you're this, you're this. Um, Forty years ago, fifty years ago, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. And uh, I can only say that I, I know from my research that I can see where it started with the liberals, quote unquote, and the progressives and the Democrats relative to firearms. I only know where extremity started. And I, and I know how to measure it from that point. And um, Carl Bacall, B-A-K-A-L, I believe his book is called Right to Bear Arms. Uh, it's not a very, it's not an easily, it's not a, a, a readily available book. It's hard to find. But he, Carl Bacall's book is basically a reaction to all of the assassinations that happened in the 60s. So that's really where you see the gelling of this relationship between the Democratic Party, the Democrats, and approaching firearms from a criminological lens only, right? Uh, it starts to build in the 60s, but it really doesn't become something that's really major, I think, until about 30 years ago, maybe. So you know, historically speaking, it's not a, a, a large span of time, but it it has happened pretty powerfully. And, and, and I think whatever the effects are of tribalism and the way that we deal with information in a superficial manner, those things were kind of already on their way. And then the Internet happened 
and there's something about the internet that just poured gasoline on that. So, and, and of course that's probably why I think the internet is the worst place to understand reality through. Um, it gives an Im- it gives an image that things are a lot more polar probably than they are. So I, I, to answer your question, I don't know exactly how that happened. I just know the process probably has been happening probably for the past 30, 40, 50 years relative to guns and everything else. And then the internet has just made it almost untenable. No, it makes sense. At this point. Especially when, when the internet has become our, like our primary means of communication these days. And, and when you're living in that realm and everything seems very hyperbolic, uh, it would make sense that people, you know, dig out their, their entrenched encampments and then don't move from them because it's like there's, there's fire happening everywhere. <laughs> you don't want to stick your head up in the, in the yeah. middle of fire. So yeah. That, yeah. I, I think what, it, what it's important to note that if you look at the relationship between humans and guns, but let's just say humans and rifles, because I think that's the best uh, indicator. So if you're looking at the relationship between humans and rifles, particularly when the flintlock gets introduced, what, what happens with the flintlock is that uh, the former firing mechanisms are not cost-effective for the common person. Effective, cost of, uh, effective like um, accurate and consistent um, mechanically consistent firing mechanism that an average person can afford. Okay. That doesn't start until uh, really, I can't remember the exact date, but it's, you know, in the 18th, in the, um, in the 18th century, I'm sorry. It gets introduced like in the 16th century and then starts to kind of move through the um, 17th century and the 18th century, but I don't have the dates in front of me, but I have them in my research. So whenever the flintlock gets introduced, the common person has access to this thing. And uh, we take in, this is in England largely, and then in the colonies in, in America, we, and humans take advantage of it because firearms are probably much more necessary in day-to-day life for these people, especially the Americans the early Americans um, than we are than than the modern person, but once once that happens, if we could do a study on it, and I'd like to, I don't know how much data we'd actually be able to extract. I think that you would find that from the introduction of the flintlock all the way up until the 1960s, humans owning rifles is pretty even Stephen. like it's not you're not going to find some oh the wigs had more guns and the these kinds of people did i don't think you're going to find that as much uh, generally speaking we already have historic indicators that that there were there was aversion to weaponry from civil society even in the during the roman empire so humans have it's natural to have an attraction to weapons it's also natural to have an aversion to weapons. Both of those things are natural. And that's what I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand on either side. Both of these have a very natural presence with humans. So it's, I want to say, it's definitely okay to have an aversion to weapons, and it's okay to have an attraction to weapons. They're very, very common human reactions. So from that place, it's all to me. It's almost like saying only conservatives urinate. Like uh, 
You know what I mean? Like it's so base. The attraction and the usage of weapons in society or in nature for humans is quite natural. It's quite, it's anthropologically normal. It's so- sociologically normal. So, so why would you say that liberals don't like, Oh, liberals can't possibly like weapons. You're saying that a certain group of humans can't like weapons. It's not, when you look at it scientifically, it's not substantiated. So to go back to the Flintlock thing, I think that if we did a study from the Flintlock until the 1960s, you would find out that the relationship between humans and rifles is pretty much transcends political delineation. So it's really only been since the 1960s until right now where that has happened. And, every, and it's, it's true. It's true. Liberals and progressives don't really dig firearm they don't dig violence or dealing with violence and conservatives are much more and libertarians are much more comfortable with that stuff but but i think what's going to end up happening is and this you know this podcast and liberal gun owners and the liberal gun club and all these other alternative groups that are popping up i don't think this whole uh um this whole thing with it being weird that liberals, I don't think it's going to last much longer. It's on its way to definitely being ubiquitous. If it's not, it hasn't maintained a level of ubiquity. That's just been kind of out of our, out of our view in the past 30 years or whatever. I don't think, so what we're really dealing with is, is a short period of time where a certain subculture of liberals and progressives really weren't that into guns. And I think what you're going to see in the future is that breaks down less and less and, and things get more normalized relative to how history has been with humans and weapons. Cause up until the sixties, I don't really think it was that big of a deal. Yeah, there's a lot of contradiction inside the firearms community when it comes to certain things um, as an outsider and not growing up kind of like a firearms guy um, and growing up in super liberal places. Um, one of the benefits of that is the observation, right. Of, of a group of people that I I started to hang out with that I never hung out with before. You have your hunters and people that are like star Wars nerds for firearms. They can tell you, you know, yeah. about the inside of the barrel, you know, the things like that. Um, but yeah, you, you know, as from a business standpoint, owning uh, one of the largest importers in the U S um, my greatest years were the Obama years, right? Um, yeah. the, the average person, um, like when Trump was elected, he was like, oh, this is great for guns. Um, yeah. And, and the answer was no, it really wasn't. <laughs> Technically, if it's, if right. you're talking about the firearms industry, the best years are the ones where you had the so-called enemy in charge, right? We did explosive growth under Obama, under the idea that he was going to come and take your guns. Right. And we've always used that industry. Um, But then we go out there and say, Hey, go vote for this. Well, voting for that, right. The alternative uh, put a lot of people out of business in the firearms industry. So it's this weird thing, the balance. Do I, do I want to survive or is the second amendment right? Or what I believe how that's attached to the political figure. Um, yeah. Do I go for that? What are your thoughts on like seeing this in the industry? So you mean um, in terms of it being, it's like, it's basically a cultural norm to have an aversion to liberalism and progressivism. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, 
but it's the weirdest thing because there are some like let's just say you're on the complete opposite side you're so far right there there was a lot of people benefited from from yeah you know liberalism and they benefited from that being in power there's this weird thing and a lot of people always say to me they're like i never even thought about that i never thought about that i didn't realize when trump got in that could be devastating to the industry and believe it or not it was until we had some civil unrest and some things brought the industry back but there were a lot of companies that are like that that, that there was a little oxygen left in the tank and then all hell broke loose and the world ended Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It well, I mean, we, we've seen unprecedented number of people coming to our gate since, um, since Trump and since COVID, um, the, what the one, the comment that I wanted to make about your first, the first question, I guess both of your questions is that the, if you, if you look into the work of Jonathan Haidt, there are people, there are definitely uh, psychological tendencies with conservatives and there are psychological tendencies with liberals and there are psychological tendencies with libertarians. And one of the major weaknesses of conservatives is that is also tied to their greatest strength, which is they, they know how to stay together a lot better than liberals do. They know how to stick together. But the, the cost of that, is that Republicans, or I'm sorry, I can't say Republicans, conservatives typically, um, they'll do anything to stick together. They'll they'll bend reality. They'll stay super narrow. They'll deny things. They'll it, it's a it's pretty phenomenal to watch. And I'm not saying that liberals don't do the same thing, but certainly in the gun community, cons- conservatives will do anything to keep the concepts the same to keep the talk the same, to keep the beliefs the same. Um, and so one of those things is, and, and I think when your, your brain as a mechanism has to keep doing that, you've got to, when you're doing that with human phenomena all the time, you've got to, your brain's going to start cutting corners relative to reality. Okay. So one of the things that happens in the gun community is that in with conservatives, is that they can't afford the time for nuance and they can't afford the time for dealing with complex phenomenon from by splitting it into the important compartments and, and analyzing the different aspects and understanding that you can have a yin and a yang at the same time. Like they don't do any of that. They just do it's yin or it's yang. It's all binary. So when they see something like liberals and, and you know, Guilty as charged, modern liberals and progressives are where the anti-gun sentiment is. Why would gun owners be cool with that? I wouldn't. But if they had the capacity to back off of the demonization, because that's what demonization is. It's the brain's inability to get beyond a binary, right? So if they were capable of going, hey, not all liberals are doing this, Right. Uh, it, it probably could it would help them at the with their margins. And the, and uh, look, I'm, I'm here with you guys. We spend a shit ton of money on fucking guns and ammo. We do. And it's growing. Yeah. We're starting our own businesses. We're starting our own sub industry. We represent millions and millions of dollars now. So uh, the demonization, it's not and I don't think it's going to it's going to help. In the future, 
uh, it might help what what people consider them people consider themselves patriots. It might help them to keep that internal fight going with them for them. And and you know, I think culturally, somewhat, they should be fighting against the ignorance of the anti-gun liberal and progressive. But um, at the same time, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. It's just, it's generalizing. Um, I, I noticed it a lot because. You know, once again, it, it's a contradiction. You say you want all these new firearm owners to just accept, or, you know, everybody, right? We That's the thing that we do as a 2A culture, Second Amendment culture. We're like, hey, come on in. We want to show you how great firearms are. We want to show you how safe we are. We want to show you how, you know, how responsible we are. And then um, yeah, we want to reach out to the people. Our social platform. <laughs> Yeah. And then we turn around yeah. and like libtards, uh, those damn liberals, those, you know, and, and I, it, and we've talked about this before. I've said like, it would be really tough for me to go into a hobby or, you know, the shooting sports. If all they did was talk about like Italian Americans from New Jersey, those, you know, yeah, yeah. and you heard it every yeah. day you saw it on your feed. Yeah. You follow all the, the gun, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, social media platforms and stuff like, you know, the groups for, for, for the gun, for the gun community, there's a lot of people. Look, uh, first I'll be the first one to say that I'm, I was surprised by how many good people are in the community. There are a lot of good people and, and that's transcendent of political delineation. Mm-hmm. I've, I've met and spoke with really good humans that are patriots and constitutionalists, really good humans that are Republicans and this was kind of my life with like guns. I do guns. That's the thing that I do with the most with my time now, but it's not the center of my fucking life. You know, I, I shot when I was a kid, but then I didn't, I didn't touch a gun again until I was 36. There's an entire developed human inside of my skull that has nothing to do with firearms. And, and my life has been a spice road. It's always been about having to deal with every kind of cat that there is. And so there's a lot of good people in the community of all different stripes, but guns are also a magnet for the most unbelievable collection of regressive humans I've ever been around. That's also fucking true. Um, Guns are a magnet for regressive people more so than weights are uh, or or other things. I I, I always thought that I always thought that weights were the, like the Mecca of all the, the morons and regressive people in the world. But guns have that be. Um, we could, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but, but yeah, so I know there was a track that I wanted to go on there. Um, there are a lot, but there are a lot of decent, there are a lot of decent cats. Um, but, oh, this is what I wanted to say. For a lot of people in the gun community, you just said, hey, come on in. You know, they, their version of diversity is they want, uh, yeah, they want a black dude and a gay dude and they want a lesbian and they want a transgender person and they want other people of color and they want them all to come in. And then once they're in, they want them to fucking think exactly like right. how the gun person. That's what they want. They want a black dude that thinks exactly like a constitutionalist. And guess what? They fucking have that now. They want gay, they want lesbians, that they have that. They want transgender, they have it. But the problem is, is that's not diversity, right? Diversity isn't just about, we'll, we'll let you in as long as you're somebody who thinks exactly like we do. Diversity is diversity of thought. 
And that can come in any color, shape, size. Uh, that's, that's kind of, that's what I don't think that a lot of people understand is that th- th- there is a level, of, there is a diversity that also represents what I just said. That's on its, it's not just on its way. It's here. Well, and the gun community is going to have to learn how to, to stop doing the whole demonization thing. Go ahead, Jake. You were trying to say something. You're, you're talking about what afflicts my profession, too. And I don't know if this is true of other professions. I think I find it particularly offensive because it's in the mental health community, which is supposed to be non-judgmental and inclusive and welcoming and creating safe spaces for people to explore whatever they explore in the office and all that stuff. And you will not find a more judgmental group of people. And some of it has to do with that diversity component that you're referencing, because in school we get beat about the head and shoulders with racial, ethnic, sexual, sexual orientation, diversity. Um, But the thought diversity is almost verboten. Um, We're trained to, you know, that the MFTs don't like the professional counselors and the professional counselors and MFTs don't like the social workers and the social workers don't get along with psychologists and the psychologists are better than everybody because they have doctoral degrees and and on and on and on. And it's like, no wonder we're stigmatized. This is why. And some of the fights that I've had to endure in my own professional capacity with regard to policymaking and advocacy on the, on the state level, rewriting laws that were outdated by 30 years the blowback I got from people who would otherwise you would think would be not only on board, but cheerleading was staggering. It was like, how are you, how are you opposed to this thing that's going to literally benefit everybody, including yourself? And they couldn't articulate it because it was all they knew. And so when I'm hearing you talk about, you guys both were talking about the, the idea of like conservatives in the gun community who want people to fit in this narrow box. And if not, then there gets to be this like divisiveness. And for me, that's the emotional uh, root of contempt. Contempt is one of our 10 core emotions that really separates. It becomes us versus them. And uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to like hurt somebody unless you don't think they're like you. Well, that's what the emotion of contempt does. And that's what we're getting through this binary divisive narrative. And on all, all I'm hearing is like belief system, ego zone, and if, and if you're so married to your ego and your ego is so fragile that you can't integrate new information, then of course you're going to want to attack, quote unquote, the other. Um, the problem now is that, is that when artificial yeah. reality, which is what we've conjured into our heads to be, you know, whatever we need it to be, meets actual reality with all its nuance and gray areas and stripes of different flavors and all that stuff – artificial reality, whatever we've created, uh, Christian Conti, Dr. Christian Conti would call this cartoon world. Cartoon world has to integrate that information or else it becomes very defensive, very rigid, and or we start creating some of those excuses that you're talking about, Randy, with regard to like um, cutting corners, uh, leaping to conclusions, ignoring facts, um, you know, like all in an attempt to preserve what we believe reality to be. Even though reality is right there staring us in the face, it's like, hey, we've got this guy who calls himself a liberal, um, voted for Obama, (laughs) loves firearms, is a family man, also loves America. And they're like, does not compute. You know, it's like you can you can be relaxed and, and hold your beliefs loosely and integrate that new information. Or you can dig your heels and get rigid. And that creates divisiveness and contempt. Which one is working right now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I mean, what, what, how? How fucking insane is it? Like I said before, how insane would it be for me to say only conservatives urinate, right? Like right. guns are 
connected, you know, there's ultimate reasoning for guns and there's superficial reasoning for guns. The ultimate reasoning for guns is why they're still here. And that is they express interpersonal violence and, and it's either going to happen with humans offensively or defensively. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we have a hypothesis about, about their, their role with law enforcement and social coercion that I'm not going to get into, but you know, it's the achievement of animal protein. It's the offensive expression of interpersonal violence. And it's the defensive expression of interpersonal violence. We have a, a relationship with projectile weapons that goes back hundreds of thousands of years, definitely tens of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. If you apply basic anthropology to it, the firearm is not a fucking mystery. It's just the latest iteration of something we've been doing the whole time for the same three reasons. And so the notion that people, because of their political delineation, now are done being homo sapiens and they're done relating to the projectile weapon in a way that's anthropologically normative. It's first, it's culturally, culturally normative anyway, but it's, it's every, every record of our behavior that exists on the planet is chock full of our relationship with weapons, particularly the projectile. It doesn't go away. It has never gone away. It's in every era of our existence. Every time we accomplish something major socially, it's a part of it, whether you like it or not, whether it's in the law and order reality or whether we're conquering the Nazis or defeating the Nazis, whatever it is, the projectile's right there. So let me. So the notion that. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Finish. I was going to say the notion that be, the notion that because somebody is is social is politically uh, focused on on certain things that that thing goes away is it's entirely it's ridiculously anti scientific. Of you know, liberals are humans, so we're also going to have considerations for self defense or the acquisition of animal protein. And a lot of us, not all of us, are going to have a tendency to to, to move towards a firearm because it's the pinnacle expression of the projectile weapon. So do you, a couple things popped into my head while you are talking. One was the idea that um, I think a lot of gun owners slash um, civil liberties types who are like, you know, we, we don't want big overarching government to tell us how to live and take our rights away. And this is the one way we have to defend them. Uh, there's, there's that encampment. Right. Um, and then another one is the idea that maybe, maybe this is just, we're locked into a, uh, I guess a, a, a time, as long as time has been around a time memorial battle of control versus freedom. And, Guns are just yet another, you know, manifestation of freedom against those who would control. Um, and then the third thing right. is the this notion of like we haven't really, as a as a people, we haven't really had any friction or frustration like we have, we like we experienced in the twenties, thirties, you know, teens, twenties, thirties, forties, and I might even go so far as the Korean War, but not really because that was a conflict fought overseas. Um, we haven't experienced any right. sort of uh, challenges, and I'm wondering if existentially, as humans, those those all are kind of interplaying together where we, we need a fight because without a fight, we don't know what to do because if everybody's fat, dumb, and happy, then then we, we don't, we're, we're uncomfortable being fat, dumb, and happy, so we got to like pick on each other simultaneous with this idea that there's going to yeah. be order and chaos, and some people want order more than they're comfortable with the chaos. Um, and maybe we're just this, this whole conversation is just 
a conversation repeated iterations uh, uh, thousands of times across humanity and we're just we're just exhausting our, our wheels because at the end of the day uh, we're always going to be in tension with one another there's the tension of freedom and freedoms expressed through projectile weapons for defensive purposes and whatnot and oppression is expressed through large uh, structures that try to take that away you know like maybe maybe this is just the newest iteration yeah yeah I, I think that you're I think that people don't realize, you know, that this is the one thing that makes me happy about being involved in the gun world is that my presence here um, should be for a pretty decent amount of time. We're doing pretty well as an organization. And so my presence here should be the presence where when people are done hearing me talk, they should go what the fuck did he just say? (laughs) Or why is a gun guy talking about that? Or because there is no representation of, or there are very few, I should say, representations of comprehensively minded people. And so that's really what we're dealing with here. Now I'm, I'm here as the executive director of Liberal Gun Owners. I'm also here as myself, and I influence the operations in in such a way that I I push it to be more comprehensive. But I'm not the only person that's comprehensive. Like, we have a tendency to be more comprehensive. So I'm kind of the extreme nuclear version of that. So when we deal with guns, it's going to start from natural selection, and it's going to go to climate change, and it's going to go everything in between. It's going to be rights, natural rights, um, jurisprudential things, uh, criminological reality. It's going to be uh, all of it. But so to, to what you just said, I think it's been stated that only 2% of what uh, goes on in your brain you can possibly be aware of. The rest of your cognition is hidden to you. So people think that they have motivations and drives and desires that are theirs. But a lot of that's driven from deep hardwiring, evolutionary mm-hmm. hardwiring. So uh, is, is are we sitting here having this conversation and we're just going roundabout, uh, like you said, because humans have just been doing this over and over and over again, social pressure, natural pressures, projectile weapons, splitting into tribes. Yes, we're not beyond it. So John Shea is an anthro, uh, paleoanthropologist, and he has a saying, and it's homo sapien is as homo sapien was. So we, we are blinded by modernity. We believe that we're like out of the woods. But by the way, the people, most of the people that are listening to this podcast right now that are in the gun world probably don't even fucking believe in natural selection or don't have a sense of science or they're not going to have a backdrop for this. But, but the notion that we are so behaviorally different from homo sapien 70,000 years ago is once you look at the research, it's pretty preposterous. We do the same stuff. Now it's not that we have an advanced behaviorally. We're the only species that has a, have footprints on the moon. We're, we're amazing in that way. But also some of the shit that we do is the shit that we've always done. Yeah. And projectiles is one of those things. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I, but, I, but the other important statement is that evolution is not a straitjacket. 
So just because we have all of these internal drives that we've been repeating over and over again, that does not mean that we have to be slaves to them, that we have a consciousness, we're advanced, we can stop these things, we can mitigate, which is, you know, kind of essentially uh, part of the the the, the um, firearms-related violence thing. Um, we can mitigate. Yeah, well, what's really encouraging is we've got, you know, a lot of research that says that the the brain can morph and um, neuroplasticity research says that you you know just because you have a long standing pattern a habit of something doesn't mean you're you're beholden to that and what it also yeah. teaches us you know from from epigenetics research too is that um, just because you're uh, predisposed to something genetically doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to fall into it either. So, you know, right. a personal level of awareness. Yeah. I love that you mentioned consciousness. I love that you mentioned Heights work too. Jonathan Heights, brilliant. And, um, and a lot of that points to the idea that we have this personal choice in our decision-making that says, I don't necessarily have to succumb to what I've been told I need to. Um, and that, and that, begets a lot of responsibility. Um, so it's, yeah. it's, I think it's even more frustrating knowing all that stuff that people retreat to, to what they believe their tribes are as limited as they may be. And yeah. then we end up having these <laughs> tribal fights that have been, like you said, going on for 70,000 years. It's like, are you really yes. that different? Are you really that yeah. involved? Like you're literally walking it out, you know, on the streets with your protests or behind your keyboard firing away, you know, in contemptuous behavior at somebody else. Like yeah. you're no better than the caveman. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, just to take it back and maybe to cap off the, the whole thing about conservatives and liberals and guns and, you know, the con, uh, conservative gun owners are, they're right about, uh, progressives and liberals and the anti-gun sentiment and what that could mean for the future. They're right about sec the second amendment being, um, in danger. They're right about that. And we know about that. We, we were forged out of a two-front war. You know, we we fight our side and them, right? That's mm, mm -hmm. that's that's. What, I think that's what everybody has to remember. They're right about that, but they're also wrong um, about a lot of things. They're right, wrong about a lot of things with liberals, and you you you'll never know what's true if the only place that you have to relate to is the internet and. The idea is in your own head and you're just surrounded by people that just mimic and, and parrot the same things that you say. Yeah. Um, the, the liberals, progressives, people on the left will have more and more of an impact on guns in the future and 2A and it, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're not asking for permission. We don't need it. Uh, it's a reality that these cats are going to need to start to wake up to. And it's not tantamount to having a bunch of Uber FUDs come in and, and that want to bring the assault weapons ban and reasonable gun restrictions. Uh, and we're not, we're not, I can speak for liberal gun owners. We're not that way. How do you, how, so when someone finds your organization and relates to it and says, okay, this is an organization inside the two, eight community that I could really get behind and become a member of, um, do you find that when they walk in, do you have to prep them a little bit? Um, you know, is it something that they kind of understand the culture or do you have uh, to? You mean in terms of when, when other liberals come in? 
Well, yeah. So like if I, you know, one of the things that speaks, you know, has always spoke to me um, when I think about this whole concept um, is one of my best friends who we're going to have him on the podcast soon. He's a, he's a WTTA board member. Uh, we both grew up in San Francisco together and he said something one time and it really spoke to me. He goes, look, I own a gun. I don't consider myself part of the 2A community. Um, but then when I was telling him about your organization and, and LGC, Liberal Gun Club, um, you know, he was doing a little research on it. said he yeah, if I was, if I was online and I was doing that, these are, these are organizations that I get behind. Yeah. He has a little bit of a background of yeah. knowledge to me, but I'm saying how many people do you get that are green, right? They come in and they're just like, yeah, I just want to belong. And I, I see you guys and I relate to you guys. And then you have, you ever have to say, yeah, you're a lot of bad things, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, I mean, I, that's part of the great part of the community. The community usually takes care of, kind of bringing people along, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, our main uh, center right now is Facebook, which is a blessing and a curse. It's not really a great, it's not really a great mechanism for education, but, but there's always, yeah, there's all, there are a lot of new people that come in, a lot of green people and a lot of people that usually the greener people have a tendency just to sit there and they read, they ghost, you know, they float. And then after a while, they, they start to uh, re- relate to everyone else and communicate and, and, and the knowledge sort of brings them along. But um, yes, there's, I mean, that's a, that, just that question there, Mike, we could probably do 90 minutes on it. Right. Um, it's, it's really, it's really a complex situation with liberals and progressives because we really serve what we call the liberal Tarian, which is, like that liberal that also has some libertarian stuff. So I would consider that on one side of the spectrum, then all the way to the Bernie supporters. That's our range. So you have people coming in that have vast, vastly different ideas of how things should be. Um, and that can be very, very tricky. You have a lot of different attitudes and, but, but the underlying part is typically they're good spirited people who care about the world and that's what enables the tent to sort of like stay together and and do pretty well. But yes, we do. We do get a lot of noobs. Um, you know, one point that I do want to make is that liberal gun owners is not interested in living on a moonbeam. You know, like we live in a, the United States of America. I don't. I have uh, Native American blood in me. I don't like everything about the flag. I don't like everything about America. I don't have to. I don't I don't reverberate with pride and patriotism. I don't feel that way because there are things that this country does and has done that need to be dealt with um, that aren't awesome. So you know there I have that sentiment. A lot of people in liberal gun owners have that sentiment. Um there was something somewhere that I was taking this. I want to hear more about is, that though. Like, cause what's that? Cause how, I think we've been given this, this meta message in the media, certainly the social media about like, it's binary, right? I keep going back to the binary. Yeah. It's either or it's all or nothing. It's black or it's white. Um, and you just, you just painted a gray concept, which I, I myself, I mean, I was, 
I recently just posted on social media that my, my new voter registration card that finally came several weeks later, it says I'm registered nonpartisan. And I'm very, I'm very proud of that because I'm done with the tribalism. I want to, I want to live in the middle where most of us I think exist or want to exist. And, but I was raised in this like conservative Republican stripe where it's like, yeah, the flag and all that stuff. And just like, all the atrocities of the past, we're just supposed to ignore them. And I always, that always kind of like left me feeling kind of weird. And now I know why. Right. Um, and I think what you've done there in, in sharing is you've given me permission to, to allow my own beliefs to be questioned, right? It's okay to, it's okay to be like, yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable that we had all this like colonial expansion over the top of like who was already living here. That's kind of messed up. And, yeah. and that's okay, right? And we can, can, we can be good yeah. and continue being better. Um, but help yeah. me, help me understand how somebody can, can say I'm a gun owner, I'm a liberal. I want to keep advocating for more and better, but I'm actually, I'm choosing to continue living this country. It doesn't mean I have to like pull the ripcord and abandon myself from, from this yeah, country. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So let me, let me finish that. <clears throat> Sorry. Let me finish my, that I was going to, I've lost track on my thought. Um, <laughs> it happens you. on this podcast. Okay, yeah, can't, you contributed. So I said that we don't live on a moonbeam. And also, when I say liberal gun owners, I mean the company. I'm, I don't, I'm not speaking for the liberal gun owners discussion community. If I were to run a version of the NRA that was a liberal version of the NRA, first of all, I would never, I would never do that. It would be something completely formed completely differently. But I would never say, I'm your leader. Right? Be- why? Because leadership is something you earn mm. on this planet. Bravo. You earn it. Like, it's a two-way street. The person that wants to be guided needs to earn it, and the person that gives the guidance needs to earn it. So I'm not the leader of liberals who own guns. I'm the leader of a company. And if people want to support that company and the values and the mission, they can do that. If they don't want to, they don't have to. The people that are in the liberal gunners discussion community, each one of them is a snowflake. Their own way of doing things. And that is the, that is the thing that is respected the most. Not will you exchange your capacity for individual thought for a monolithic uh, em- embracing of these 10 things, right? We're not interested in that. And I'm not interested in that kind of world. That's not the world that we live in. It's certainly not the American reality. So I don't speak for all liberal gun owners. I just speak for the company. So when I say liberal gun owners, I'm mostly talking about the company. Um, but, But liberal gun owners, the company does not live on a moonbeam, right? So here's what I'm saying. We're not interested, excuse me, in a version of gun ownership that ignores the foundation of America. Look, we're not interested in gun ownership, but no 2A, okay? Because whether this might sound weird to you you and Mike, um, but there are a lot of leftists that that's exactly what they want, whether they are aware of it or not. They want the guns and the participation in guns, but they don't want to take any ownership for the uh, foundation of the American collective. Hmm. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to honor it. It's another sum total uh, um, demonization phenomenon. 
Okay. Uh, There is no legitimate version of firearms ownership in the United States of America without the second amendment. End of story. Hmm. Okay. The thing that the, that leftists want is completely illegit, like far special leftists that want gun ownership without 2A, they are on a moonbeam. Okay. I also am Native American in part of me, and I think the majority of my spirit is probably um, is probably informed by that portion of me. I simultaneously am not blinded to the the underlying Im, um, imperial reality of the United States of America. Okay, that's also real. Two things can be true simultaneously. I can say to you, there's no legitimate form of firearms ownership in the United States of America without 2A and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the foundation. You can't have that, right? At the same time, America is also, you know, a pretty nifty version of an imperial reality in many ways. So you see, my brain can do both. And my brain can do both because I let it and, and because I'm an independent thinker personally before I'm a liberal, right, or before I vote for Joe Biden. I'm an independent thinker. And so reality displays itself in a, in a way that if you really want to be good at it and you really want to um, maximize your time on this earth and do very well, you probably serve better by being good at being able to deal with different things simultaneously. So – it's just conservative culture is as we've seen in Jonathan Heights work. It's not very good at this, or it's not as good at it. It needs things to, you know, the knives go with the knives and the spoons with the spoons and the forks, the forks. And that's it. Law and order reality. But, you know, that's only good for certain things in society. It's not good for dealing with all of society. So, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Jay? Yeah. Yeah. I love, no, I love it. I just realized I, was, I muted myself. Um, no, I, I love it no because problem. it, what it, what it does, it speaks to my profession. My profession's supposed to be able to meet anybody anywhere at any time and, and do it with authenticity. And I think what I see in a lot of my, oh, a lot of human beings in general, uh, I was about to say my, my profession, but human beings in general, they, they do something called bracketing where they, they do you know, they bracket some part of themselves and don't, uh, they pretend it doesn't exist, uh, in order to deal with whatever's at hand. And I don't think that's necessary. I don't think necessarily that you need to be authentic and volunteer yourself all the time, especially in the counseling profession where a, your patients aren't asking for your opinion. Um, and B, you may be stepping on their autonomy to offer it. Um, but it doesn't mean that you, uh, carve out part of yourself because when we start carving out parts of ourselves we end up whittled down to not knowing who we are and then life becomes very rigid and narrow and we deprive ourselves of opportunity for growth and achievement and all sorts of things so i think i think that was very excellently explained mike you had a question though before we started recording about you know libs and libtards and how it affects you know one's mental health to be called names you want to ask that the way that you asked it because i can't remember how you phrased it yeah, just, you know, go, like I said, uh, you, know, you buy a firearm, you get excited, you want to learn more, you want to be part of, 
maybe the community, you're like, okay, I bought one gun. You might've bought a, you know, and then you go into something and let's say you do identify as, as a liberal, right? Yeah. So you start following all the, the pages on social media that are, are firearms related. And then you start seeing some of the, the dark, ugly side of the language that is used by um, the people in the gun culture. Right. Yeah. And, and how does that affect you mentally? Like I said, if, if people kept saying where I, where I was hanging out, like, you know, Italians from New Jersey, those damn Italians from New Jersey, you know how they are. All they want to do is this. And you're like, uh, well, that, that's me. And I'm here. I'm here with yeah, you. Yeah. I, I love firearms. How does that yeah. affect people mentally? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I don't think there was much love to begin with. Like, so. So, uh, how do you battle I think, through it? I suppose what is what I'm yeah, at. Yeah, well, you, you battle through it where you just go, you in the early years, we just dealt with it as much as we could until we got sick of it. And then uh, that's when separate groups started to form. So, you know, a large percentage of the uh, critical foundational people in, in the liberal gun owners discussion community history are also preppers, believe it or not into general preparedness, into the outdoors. So we were, we're, we have been in the prepping community, the gun community, the outdoors community, the hunting community. We've been there the whole time, all of it. So it only took a while for us to get sick of that shit and break off. So it's not like it was disappointing. It, it's disappointing to me. I'll tell you where it's disappointing to me now, Mike. Is Originally, it was just like, ah, fuck those jokers then, right? We're probably not looking to, to find middle gr- ground with those cats anyway. Because it's really hard to discern the moderates from the nuts. Because the nuts dominate the space online. That's, that's really true. True. They... Yeah. they, they People who have issues have this concomitant need to be a bully and vocal and they need to dominate. So it's if you're going to try to learn about the gun culture online and you're going into comment sections, it's probably the worst place that you can go because it's all uh, hyperbolic morons. So, so when you see that for a couple of days or a week, or you're not like, oh, man, shucks, I really wanted to get in there with gun, the gun community. Your first reaction is like, holy fuck, these dudes are, you know, they're fucking out there. Let's go somewhere else and make a thing. Let's have our own thing. So uh, it's not, and I was, it wouldn't be damaging emotionally to us. Like, oh, shoot. Um, it's more just like you let the stress hit you like, do I really care about fishing rods this much? Do I have to sit here and we brought up a conversation about the who's going to vote for who and I said I'm a liberal and then I just got attacked for you just walk away from it. Right? Now I will say it's it's disappointing to me when I'm advancing my relationships in the community and I still see it from really popular social media personalities. That's when it's disappointing because I have different expectations. It's really disappointing when I watch the NRA become a machine of culture war because 
even though I could see that the NRA was kind of going downhill, I didn't really think they were going to do something like NRA TV, which was a total fucking embarrassment. Whatever that is and whoever that serves is, in my opinion, they think they're friends of 2A, but in the end, those kinds of people are going to be what destroy 2A. They'll be the second largest contributor to the destruction of 2A, along with the anti-gun progressives. And that's what the gun community doesn't understand. It thinks its shit doesn't stink, and it thinks that it can act the way that it does without it having a negative repercussion on 2A. This, the, and I'm sort of taking things to the side a little bit, but um, you know, PR is a lot. And the more regressive and shitty the gun culture looks, the worse the future is for 2A. So where do I get disappointed in the libtard stuff is when I go to the top of the pyramid and I see it happening. Not down in the dregs. I don't care about those fucking cats. The people that are supposed to be doing something for 2A are entirely ignorant of the fact that they themselves can contribute to the Second Amendment, the expression of the Second Amendment becoming weaker and weaker as the 21st century goes along because they, they're involved in these super regressive things. Does that make sense? That's where my disappointment comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That, that makes sense more than you realize to me because I'm still drawing these parallels to my own profession. Uh, the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy, for example, which is the national association for the mft community has basically just thought so highly of itself for so long and recently it it couldn't get out of its own way to the point that it killed all of the state chapters and centralized power into indianapolis where their headquarters is and essentially left everybody fending for themselves to advocate for things like grant money that floats through a community that should be a competitive open bid but because there's no voice anymore they've just disappeared and they're wondering why marriage and family therapists get treated as poorly as they do. It's like, well, because you did it to yourselves. Like you became so unappealing that nobody wants to join your organization anymore. And then what I'm hearing as you talk about this, because I've had enough conversations now, especially over the last few months with, um, well, specifically with black people in the mental health world that like what you're saying is really like hearing racist statements over and over and over, except it's about a political ideology. And it's like, yeah. when when are we ever going to, as a people, get out of our own um, ego zones to embrace people who are different from us rather than contemptuously casting them off as if they're not an ally? Because I think that's yeah. where a lot of this stuff really unravels the fabric of what we're trying, what you and me and Mike and some others are trying to do is like we're trying to pull people together and yet you got, it's not even the fringies anymore. You know, it's not even the people out there just like with the loudest megaphones because they have nothing better else to do, like trying to just tear people down because they got to have something to hate. It's like, like you said, it's the, it's the mainstream top of the pyramid folks who are like condescending out of political animosity instead of like going, Oh man, you know who we could use them. (laughs) Like, yeah, you did that with every other demographic of the hell. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have something, Mike? Um, no, no. I, it, it, a lot of this is just, it's just fascinating to me. I, I'm so glad you're on the show because I think it's important for people to see this because I think that 
historically, and, and this is just, you know, me breaking down from the simple man who's listening. Um, cause you two are very intellectual by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times, and, and I saw in the past, I mean, when we developed our friendship and our relationship, you sent me a shirt, you sent me a bunch of swag, and you've always been a big supporter of uh, WTTA. Um, and, and you had said something to me one time, like in passing, like, hey, have you gotten any shit for yeah. kind of promoting us? Because uh, I went to, you know, directly to social media and was like, bam, you know, Liberal Gun Club gave me this cool ass swag. And, you know, I want to support you guys back like you supported me. And I never even thought about it. Like I never even thought yeah. I could get shit, right? Like yeah. it didn't cross my mind. And then we started to unpack some 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 stuff in some conversations where you're like, yeah. oh, death threats and yeah. you know, um you know, things that I was like, man, it really made me I've never been the guy who's done the you know, A team, B team, because I don't like the identity politics of it. And I, and, and I've had, I can't, I'm just surrounded by too many different people, uh, you know, yeah. all at once and I bring them all to my house and I can't have that. Um, but yeah. it really made me take a step back and, and look and go, yeah, this is weird. It's like, it's like we're gearing up for this lifestyle that's, that's anti-liberal and in and, and this machine keeps feeding these thoughts into people's head. And yeah, you know, it's just a shame. Yeah. You can. So I think, it, what the thing that might be most instructive for people that are listening to this is that I know, but believe it or not, you can simultaneously dislike all of the liberals and progressives that are, they're ignorant of the right completely. They're, and, and one of the things that makes it really shitty um, is that a lot of the people that are against firearms, uh, they believe they're also pro-science but they're only pro science relative to their own when it narrative suits them. and their own yeah. Notice that. Right. So if you they're they're almost entirely against the reality that the relationship between humans and weapons is normal. Like it's a it's a normative phenomenon. If you measure it culturally, it's normal. If you measure it sociologically, it's normal. If you relate if you measure it anthropologically, it's normal. And if you measure it archaeologically, it's normal. Okay, so when you're honest about science, you should also have the criminologic viewpoint and all of the firearms-related violence and all of that stuff that's a, a pall on society. And you should also have the, the data relative to human warfare and all of that stuff. It's also important. But the notion that firearms aren't a normal thing or that the relationship between humans and firearms is not normal, or humans and weapons is not normal, is entirely anti-scientific. It's not normal to these people because it's not in their view. It's not in their culture. It's not right around them. But if you pull the lens back and you look at planet Earth and you look at our entire history, it's reasonably normal. It's not like it's a huge fucking statement for me to say that the relationship between humans and weapons is normal. That's not a giant statement. But there are people that might be listening to this that aren't into guns that they might have smoke coming out of their ears. But how you get there is that you apply a broad scientific approach, science. You go and you look at it. So this relationship um, is normal, and it's okay uh, for people to not like guns, but also say, hey, wait a minute, maybe I should investigate this because the relationship is kind of normal. When I pull back, right? So to come to come back to what where I left off is it's okay for people that are into guns to not like those liberals. We don't like them either. 
in many ways. We might like them as humans, but we don't like their, their position. It's okay to not like those cats. But there are also cats that are liberal and, and on the left that aren't trying to turn the United States into a Marxist mecca, right? We're not. So is it really that fucked up that I believe in firearms and I want to fund public libraries? Like, you're going to start a fucking war over that? Right. You're going to start a war over, I like guns, and but also I voted for Obama and I like public transit. Like, what the fuck? Most of the people that you're going to find that are liberals that are into guns are going to be much more moderate, right? And so it's okay to split the groups. You don't have to just say libtards and we're all there, you know, let's just go to war against them. And, um, and, and of course the people that probably need to hear this aren't listening and they don't have the capacity to adjust even if they did, but, but back to what Mike was saying. Uh, so there's the forest of the gun community and there's the understory. So if you, the understory is the shrubs and the moss and the leaves and the plants, right? So I would say that one of the biggest issues with the gun community relative to this issue is that those that make up like the forest of the gun community, those that I call them the boothies. So the people that go <laughs> to the, all these get togethers and everyone has a booth and I'll see you at the booth. You guys go to the booth. I'm going to have a booth. That's like all the boothies and all the, <laughs> and all the high end people that are on YouTube all the time. They're like the forest. Okay. But the problem is, is that the community has an understory. Okay. And that understory has roots in Southern rural evangelical xenophobia, anti-intellectualism, anti-science. Okay. That's the gun community is stabilized and has been stabilized by that for decades and it's not that it's it's not a mystery that it's fucking present. It's sitting right there. Now, does that mean that the gun community is out there go uh, saying xenophobic things and racist things and doing what the the hardcore leftists um, charge them with, which is everything is racism, everything, every single thing is racism? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is within the community, in the understory, is a lot of regressive shit. And a lot of it has to do with lack of education, lack of intellectual power, cultural reinforcement of xenophobia, right? So you get misogyny, bigotry, homophobia. Like all of these things are in the gun community. You can see them. You just go online and, wa and watch. Now, I did previously say that this is the worst possible window for understanding reality. And I understand that. However, at the same time, and it also can be used to take the temperature to palpate a little bit. So the biggest issue is not that there are, are racists and xenophobes and homophobes and people with really narrow mentalities in the community. That's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is that the people in the forest either pretend that it's not there, ignore that it's there, or reduce its impact or its presence on purpose because they're trying to make their nugget get another like, sell another gun, get another person to the booth. They completely will, or they want to get more votes at the polls, right? Because they don't want to start, you know, the gun culture is somewhat besieged. 
So it doesn't want to turn on itself. But here is if, if people could take one thing from this podcast is that I'm, I'm here as an individual mind first, not as a liberal. And I'm here to tell everyone as the canary in the coal mine, the second amendment will not survive the 21st century as it is. If the gun community doesn't, if the forest of the gun community doesn't turn down and look at the regressive shit in the understory and deal with it once and for all, because it is swallowing the, the voice of the community. And you see it in culture war. You see it in NRA TV, right? That's where it ended up. Now that, that now NRA TV wasn't out there being racist. That's not how that works. They were out there being, they were fomenting a culture war, which is the sign of something extraordinarily regressive. So the second amendment can't survive that. The 21st century is blowing by the gun community on a fucking rocket ship. And the gun community wants to think and talk and act the exact same. They want the exact same version of gun ownership that was maybe, in, I don't even know. They, they want to live in the 1950s or something. There's a better way that I could describe that. I just don't have it in my mind right now. But, but, they're, but addressing the regressiveness of the understory, this also completely applies to mental health and suicide the issue with stigma, getting better at having people inside of the community that want to go forward and be proactive relative to the mitigation of firearms-related death. This completely relates to that, too. The more regression that you have, the less chance we have to, to deal with the issues like Walk the Talk America are dealing with. It, do, um, it doesn't just relate to that. It relates to our overall stigma as it, as it holds true in the public eyeball. I mean, I've said this. I'm starting to say it louder and more frequently because I, I just need to repeat it. Um, we stigmatize our own profession with what we're taught in school about don't acknowledge your clients in public. If you see a, if a patient in the Costco, you turn your cart and go the other way. You don't even you don't even recognize them. Um, and oh, by the way, if you do, you say up front in the in the intake, hey, you know, I may see you in public, and if I do, then you can say hi to me, but I won't say hi to you first, as if that's somehow a protection of confidentiality. No, it isn't. Like, no, it fucking isn't. Like, dentists yeah. don't don't do that. Orthopedists yeah. don't do that. My attorney, my financial advisor, the the banker, like they all hold my my privileged information, and they don't go talking about it in the middle of Costco, but they sure don't treat me like I'm inhuman. Like be like, oh, stay away from that guy. I treat him. And oh, by the way, yeah. what message does that send that like, hey, you're yeah. getting your mental issues worked on. Uh, I can't associate with you. It's so despicable. And we do yeah. it to ourselves. Yeah. And we send that meta message. And then we live yeah. in the shadows. And we don't go on social media. And we don't do podcasts. And we don't, you know, under the auspices of like, you might get sued if you inadvertently treat somebody. And you can't see my hair quotes unless you're watching a video. But right. you might inadvertently <laughs> treat somebody without consent. And then they're going to sue you if you have a podcast and they take your information and use it and it doesn't work. It's like, that's not a thing. That's not yeah. a thing. We're the only profession that does this to ourselves. And to, to your point about the gun community getting out there and like just doing what's right. By the way, I think that's the first time I've dropped an F-bomb on this show. I get a little fired up sometimes. What? Um, uh, I, well, I, you know, we got 14-year-olds listening to this. I don't, I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't. But the, I mean, but the point is, like... <laughs> We, we do it to ourselves. Like, we got to get out of our own way, and yeah. we got to stop stop doing this stuff. It's not working. 
to go to go back to what Mike said about the shirts and and yeah, why does he get swag and I don't get swag? <laughs> I didn't know you then. I'll send it to you. The hell. Um, so, so Mike never thought that he, you know, he would get shit for wearing that shirt. And then the reality is, is the our friends over at the Liberal Gun Club are the are the you know the people that get the death threats the most because they've been out in front the most. But the people that are listening this, to this that are in the forest of the gun community, all the boothies, you got to realize that I, I'm not – what What do I have to gain Yeah. from saying these things? Yeah. It's not, just a, it's not just a few people, right? We get death threats because we vote for Obama and we like uh, li- uh, fucking uh, libraries. We're working on the, the Second Amendment thing from the inside. Nobody had the balls to do it. We're trying, Right. So you have all of these like fucking super flamey patriots that seem like what what they want to the only way that they're they feel good in life is to have a fucking enemy. So that's why they're on the internet saying what they say and doing what they do. So if you combine and and that's obviously completely unacceptable and it's not just a few, it's for years this has been happening. Okay? So Patriots and Americans are supposed to be involved in, you know, uh, outstanding moral fabric, outstanding moral fiber. Why is it that the gun community just lets that? that this is the one thing that I don't I, is completely confounded by is people that are supporting something that has the fabric within it uh, of high morality, like the bill, the bill of rights, talking about how important it is. Well, simultaneously being involved in a community of people who like by the scores, you know, they, they'll, they'll smoke two pat two cards of cigarettes a day. They'll have their beer, their refrigerator filled with natty light and fucking crab singles. They'll blow up refrigerators with Tannerite. They, they'll be like, don't, you know, if you, you know, win this plate carrier. If you click on my Instagram post of my girlfriend's tits and these short things and fuck it to like, what about, what about the Second Amendment of the Bill of Rights equals that? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, how is it that Jesus died for us, and our friends have died overseas, and people in the past have died, and the founders and the fighting and the war, and all of that has happened so that we can have all of this freedom. All the blood and treasure is spent for all of this freedom that we have. And these cats are going to spend their time online wanting to start a civil war in the streets and they're going to choose to use that freedom for for fucking Tannerite blowing up a refrigerator. Like what in the fuck? Why doesn't the rest of the gun community go, wow, that's really not good. Like it's not good to have these people out here representing us and they're representing the 2A by the scores. Not only are you doing that, there's a version of it that ends up in the NRA. That civil war thing blows my mind too, because it's like, who who do you plan on shooting? Who is they? Who who yeah. where where is the where's the marching army down the street? That it doesn't exist. It's all like this weird mental fabrication of people sitting in their basements. I don't basements. Know if I can get it. I, you know what's what's wild though, Randy, is um I feel like that guy. As much as like I cringe and go like, you know, for those of you at home, just basically put my hand in my face. But that guy actually helps me uh, when I when I walk into rooms 
and I can't read the room. I don't know who's on what side or not, but I know that I've had a few instances where people are like, I can't talk to that guy, but I can talk to you. And I, I believe that in order to get something accomplished, that's positive and in, in the right direction. And if anybody ever want to fucking argue with me about it, I would love that argument from a two, a guy who's just like, cause I, I, you know, I believe what walk to talk America has been doing and has accomplished already has already proven that you don't have to be an asshole, um, to, you know, to get people to understand you. Um, right. but that guy helps me sometimes. Right. Like I, right. like I need that guy. I need that guy yeah. to be right there and just be an asshole. And <laughs> yeah. And, and just to clarify, you know, I did say earlier, we need to have a more nuanced take. Well, I'm not saying that everybody in the gun community is Tannerite refrigerator, click on my girlfriend's tits and win the play carrier guy. I'm not saying that. Right. It's not true. I think anybody that has a brain knows you're not, but, but right. we, have admit, and we have to admit that that guy is out there. I mean, I've done right. my invitations to that guy and I do like craft singles, man. I got to in me. That is gross. It's not even real cheese. <laughs> I had about three of them today. I just, oh, was in the what are you seven? <laughs> it's awesome. But I, not even all of the regressive. The thing is about the regressive thing, it's from that guy all the way up to the top of the NRA. And the gun community believes that it's not a problem or a hindrance. I'm here to tell the gun community, the rest of the fucking world can see you. Like you're on yeah. the internet. Yeah. We can see you. Like it looks awful for, it doesn't just look awful for America. It looks awful for 2A and that's what I'm trying to say is the the people that are the influencers I mean even the fucking influencers have shit coming out of their mouth that shouldn't even happen and the only person that we have in a in a pretty uh hefty seat that calls out some of it is Rob Pincus is the only guy who does it and nobody else does it so uh, that that that's an important message here. I'm not saying make room for all this liberal snowflakes and we want acceptance. And um, there is another reality that continues to progress around 2A, and 2A is the 2A community is not going to be able to ride on the genius of the founders forever, and that's what they're doing. Because when you're at the point where you're accepting so much narrowness and regressiveness and xenophobia and you don't say anything about it right you're not just going to survive that forever it's going to start to eat away at things and it's already eating away at things and the genius that's within the bill of rights has been covering for a lot of that and some exceptional people People within the community or exceptional organizations like the Firearms Policy Coalition is a great example. Those guys do a lot of work in that in that field in that regard. They cover for a lot of this other shit, but eventually it's not going to be enough. I think that the shadow continues to grow, and um, it's not just two A. It's I think what Mike is doing and what you're doing, Jake. And I think I've said this to Mike before, but if it weren't for Mike. And if it weren't for yourself and seeing indicators inside of the community that it's trying to progress, 
I don't think I'd be here. I wouldn't be doing this. I would have been like, oh, this is hopeless. Or I'd just be kind of like having a breakaway society with liberal gun owners and not in- interacting. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great indicator that more people aren't jumping to your cause. This is the same. Like you can't always see the regressive people, but you can see their lack of effort for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, what, and what you guys are doing is very, very important to the future of the Second Amendment community because it shows that the Second Amendment community can break out of this narrowness and selfishness and start to consider the wider picture. If they and get that's, it. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. If, or, they, if they get it. If yeah. they, you know, like right. to your point, like where, why is there so much silence? Yeah, I, I think what we've learned is that not everybody's going to get on the train. It's going to be one. Of, it's going to be the Margaret Mead scenario, where it's the smaller group that shifts the paradigm. I think that's what is going to end up happening. But I just hope that the the people. This fucking thing. I just hope that the people. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for video today. Um, I just hope that the people that are listening to this that are in the bigger in the bigger situation with the gun community can hear what I'm saying. Because we're a canary in the coal mine, and so is Walk the Talk America. People should be jumping all over what you're doing. There right. should be people jumping all over Sarah Joy Albrechta and Hold My Guns. People should be jumping all over that, yep. and they're not. Yeah, it's it's really indicative, I think, of the, like, we wouldn't need to exist if this wasn't a problem. And the fact that it's not yes. being supported indicates that there's a ton of suspicion around it. And why is that? Why is that? Well, orthodoxy, you know? like. Yeah. but now it's not working. Hey, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. So you've mentioned Obama a few times. I think you've only mentioned Biden once. Biden, literally the day before the election, tweeted that he was going to, you know, damn right he's going to take our guns or whatever. Um, Yeah. How does that play out in your community of, you know, liberals who definitely probably wouldn't be voting for Trump, but at the same time you got this alternative who's like, I'm going to take Well, we're in a bind. I mean, think about it. Think about it. If you, we only have two platforms to choose from. How on earth do you think that you can split all of human life into two sections and it's going to perfectly represent each no, it's side? Ter- it's terrible. Right. And, the, and then the notion that somehow we're going to be just because they suck on guns. Now we're going to become Republicans or now we're going to become libertarians. It's preposterous. So so what's the best opportunity that we have is to get the majority if we want of what we want or what we need. And then you use a mechanism that's building like liberal gun owners to then basically attack, and it's intellectually, you attack the regressiveness of their stance on 2A. You support them, and you attack them from the inside. So everyone in the community seems to be all fucking hot on. By the way, I'm using the F word because Mike said it was okay. I said it. That's why I I apologize to all the Um, 14-year-olds. But – Everyone in the community seems to be so hot on ops and opsec and persec and military strategy and, and all of this shit. I've never seen a poorer strategy than jump in the fucking bunker, don't ever leave, talk <laughs> the same language that everybody else talks, don't have any any comms with the outside world, right? It's the worst military strategy you could possibly fucking have. <laughs> and, and, and so the, that's what the gun community does. 
They're not relatable to the outside world. They only rub each other's ass. They talk the same language that only they and nobody understands what fucking gun owners are talking about outside of this. And that's a problem. So the other thing is everyone is so idealistic or ideological. They're always worried about the far ground. They want to capture that far ground over the fourth hill. Like there's no laws whatsoever relative to guns ever constitutional carry. Fuck you freedom. It's beyond it's beyond the reach of jurisprudence, by the way, which is as bad of a unicorn moonbeam world as anything that we're charged for. But what about the what about the close ground? What about the fight for that ground right over there? Which is what our fight is. We're, we're the embassies. We're the diplomats, right? Right. We have to be. You, your organization, our organization. We don't want the assault weapons ban, but we also are not going to accept the reality that doesn't have a background check. That's preposterous, right? That's You're never going to have that reality. Firearms ownership is not going to be completely beyond the touch of jurisprudence. It's never going to happen, okay? So these cats want to uh, uh, demonize other gun owners as FUDs or liberals as FUDs because we want to accept the background check or, or we're okay with at least the concept that's behind concealed carry. That's a lot. That's a long conversation. I don't even want to get into the policy and regulation much, but the reality is, is we are absolutely dead set against the assault weapons ban. We're dead set against this incrementalism that the Democrats are involved in, where they just try to get, you know, inch after inch after inch, and then just stack this unbelievable mountain of high level regulation against the right. We're not okay with it. We have a threshold against that but we also have an acceptance of the, the background check. So do you not, is that not fighting? Can we not fight along those lines? We can, we can fight along those lines and help. But these cats, I, I had a fucking conversation on, a, uh, in a, on Twitter with a guy. I said, if I could put $2 million a year, by the way, which is sounds like a lot of money, but to me, it, to me, I think it's doable. If I put $2 million a year against the assault weapons ban for 10, 10 years straight. Okay. Would I ask this guy, would you accept that from a liberal organization? And he said, absolutely not because it goes against his principles because we're still voting for the Democrats. It's preposterously stupid. And it's the same nuance uh, or lack of uh, ability for nuance that's a cancer to the whole situation. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. That's how uh, we're elated, most of us, that Biden was elected. Donald Trump was an embarrassment to humanity. He, it, I would have, listen, I would have tr- pushed a bus full of orphans off of a cliff to vote for George W. Bush and have him in there over Trump. That's how bad Trump was, right? He was awful. We're elated that he's gone. But now the fight begins. The fight begins for liberal gun owners relative to 2A because the Democratic Party is atrocious. They're atrocious when it comes to that right. Yeah, I think people need to to understand that, right? Because now we need the, the liberal gun owners 
you know, you're, 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 you're more of an asset now than ever. Right. Because sure. Yeah. It's, it's important. Um, yeah, and it's important to have that perspective on that other side. Yeah. yeah. They might have a, they might have a different opinion based upon how to approach firearms in terms of regulation. That's one thing, but at the foundation, the majority of them are, they're anti-scientific. That's the thing is that they're claiming that they're a scientific culture, but they're not. When they base everything upon firearms being a vestige, the right not being important, the relationship between humans and weapons not being significant, it is overwhelmingly significant. The relationship is everywhere. There are 857 million firearms in the hands of humans on planet Earth in 2018. It's probably larger than that. Yeah. It's probably a billion. So, and that's not counting how many bow and arrow sets, how many knives, all of the other weapons that we own. Humans are awash in weapons. It's normal. We do it. It sucks, kind of, but there's also reasoning for it. So when the Democrats are against this whole phenomenon, they're largely against the scientific anthropologic phenomenon itself, and they're making a claim that's not true. So at the very minimum, we need to start to attack them on that and then work in everything else that that builds after that. And liberal gun owners is willing to do that. Love it. It's awesome. Mike. Well, yeah, I was going to say, as we're up against it, um, there's a question I like to ask all the guests. Um, Randy, how do yeah. you, how do you tend to your mental health? How do I tend to my mental health? Okay. So I have been practicing, I've been a practicing Buddhist for uh, over a quarter of a century. So I have a very extensive spiritual life that I don't talk about uh, with liberal gun owners because we don't deal with that side of things. Um, so meditation has been a major part of my life for over a quarter century, over half of my life. Um, I come from a background of a genetic background of severe mental illness on both sides of my family or sincere, I should say severe on one side. I know the reality very well. Um, I don't seem to have been genetically put in a place where other people at my forebears were. I seem to have rolled far from the tree, but I did grow up and have things to contend with. So meditation um, and, a, and, a, and a sense of a greater reality have helped me tremendously. I don't really know how I would have a baseline for mental health without an approach to diet, considering my diet. Different foods uh, cause me to react in different ways. And foods actually have an impact on how my brain operates. So I watched how I eat, when I eat, regularly. I also exercise. Uh, those meditation, diet, and exercise. Without that foundation, I'm not sure how anything else would stick with me or, or help. I have had counseling in the past. Um, I have been involved in 12-step work in the past. And I have overwhelmingly dedicated a lot of my time to helping other human beings. So all of those things together is that's, that's how I approach it. Um, yeah. And I just try to make the decision to be a positive force 
it's amazing how much, how much, uh, how that affects things and how much it's, it has to be a decision every day. It must be a decision. It's not a natural thing. I don't think to be positive for most people, I have to choose it and live by it. So those are the things that I do. Mike. It's a good answer. Yeah, that's a great answer. Uh, it, it, I love that there's some things that have never been touched on. Uh, for, you know, every time we ask that answer, everyone has a different take on it. But I love it when there's a new new piece to it. So awesome. Yeah, yeah. Can I'd like to say too that we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about mental health and stigma, um, but that in liberal gun owners' approach to mitigating firearms-related death, suicide is a very important part of that. And maybe we could do another podcast sometime and just focus on that would be awesome. We lost a critical member of our organization in December to suicide and it, it was earth shattering. Um, of course in our personal lives, we probably, a lot of us know, um, uh, people that we've lost to suicide within the gun owners, the liberal gun owners community, just in 2019, I think we, we lost one member and three family members of, of critical uh, LGO company uh, people. So it's a, it's a it's super important issue. It's something I'm going to consider the two of you, our subject matter experts, probably moving forward. And it's something that we're very serious about uh, being involved in and raising money for because that part of our mission for public safety is we want to in the gun community, get money when we can to organizations like yours or Sarah Joy Albrecht's uh, hold my guns. We want to directly invest in those things because we think we, well, we want, we're humans. We don't want people hurting, but at the same time, we want to improve the soil of the community. Well stated. Really, really good. Really happy to have you on and glad to meet you. And I, I look forward to our collaboration down the road because I think I, I just keep going back to the conversation you and I had a couple of weeks ago on the phone before I had to dip out because I, paradoxically, coincidentally, I had to deal with a suicidal kid in a, in a school that we were working with. And um, you said something that is like, we got to stop looking around for people to do the thing that needs to be done to pull the gun community into the 21st century. We are it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I think yeah. we are. And, yeah. and it's because we're the, we're the, we're the nexus, right? We're, we're yeah. the common point among all these different ideological beliefs and demographics and like your organization, our organization, Sarah's organization, like we're all saying the same thing. And if, if not for us, then who, you know, it's certainly yes. not going to be the people who have been, who've been on the flagpole for the longest because now they're in trouble, <laughs> but, but yeah. also they've lost credibility. So it's, yeah, yeah. we got to quit looking around. And, and I think that, that the time is right now for us to, to do that. And I really just appreciate your openness and your uh, willingness and your, your courage and, and all those things you, you're talking there at the end, wrapping up saying like, it's hard to continue choosing to be positive or whatever you said. And I was like, that's funny because the last, hour and 50 minutes that we've been talking, it sounds cranky, not positive, but I think yeah. that's how we, that's how we do things. Right. People wonder why I'm always, you've got a belly full of vinegar and it's because yeah. there's so much left to do. And there's so much hurt in the world that it's hard for me to pause and reflect and be like, Oh, I'm cheery and positive. It's like, yeah, yeah I can be, but I can also be a change advocate too. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the core. The, pr the first principle of Buddhism is you deal with the crap first. Mm-hmm. 
You deal with the crap first. Um, and I, and I think that's very important. I, 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 I will reiterate that I think that we are the ones that we've been waiting for. I think that if we're going to look around and think that other people are going to show up, I don't think that's it. And I'll say it again. Um, you know, there are a million reasons it seems to not want to continue to do shit with the gun community because of how much negativity there is. I have to find the people that make me want to fight for those people. And I find those people in our community. And then I find that those people in the greater community. And like I said, if it weren't for Mike and I didn't know how much you were involved, Jake, you know, like for a while, and if it weren't for Mike, I probably would have concluded some diff- very different things. Um, but it was because of Mike. I mean, what Mike is a symbol of is somebody who is deeply embedded in the gun community reality. And he pushed that away aside like the typical expression of it to do something which I would consider heart oriented or spiritual. He completely let it go. And that symbol to me is important because when I do need to make those choices to be positive, it's real easy to go, Oh my God, another fucking Confederate moron, like another, right. It'd be easy to just go fuck this. But, but then, then I can think about Mike or you or, see something that Pinkus says or see something that's happening with the Liberal Gun Club or see something that that Hold My Guns is doing. Um, Here's one thing. Here's a prediction I'll make. Things are going to change because I'm starting to see a lot of different kind of mentalities in the Instagram reality mostly, and that's a good sign. I think the gun culture needs to watch out. If it wants to stay the way that it is, it's it's in for it. I don't think it's, I don't think it stands a chance. I know we're really, really up against it, but there's another part of me that's starting to go. I think the tide's turning. I think these cats are going to be on the run. And, and, and that doesn't mean on the run from a Marxist reality, just on the, they're going to be on the run from a community that shows that it's, that it's more compassionate than it's been, that it's less self-absorbed than it's been and that it's more belongs to the 21st century. I agree. I appreciate your kind words, Randy. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Um, we got to run. My bladder's full as usual at the end of these okay. things. Um, how or can people reach you? My bladder's full. <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, he, he started with my bladder's full. <laughs> that's just what I tape. I like to stay hydrated. Leave me alone. Um, how do people reach you? Uh, liberal gun owners at gmail.com. How about on Anybody? the socials? Anybody can email me, anyone. I mean, if you're a dickweed, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> but if anyone can talk, I don't care what your deal is. Uh, you can talk with us. It's okay. Awesome. And on the socials, same thing, liberal gun owners? Yeah, though, yeah the best comms for me is liberalgunowners at gmail.com. Cool. The other stuff, like all of our platforms are pretty much vetting and entry and all kinds of, like, you can't just get in can't just get in i like it well thanks randy Mian. thank you thank you awesome I'm gonna pronounce it correctly from now on yeah. on behalf of the walk the talk america family the zephyr wellness family and all of our people who support us including arms corps who is uh to date our largest financial supporter and contributor uh check out armscore.com if you want to learn more about them 
Uh, we wish you all great mental wealth and health. Take care, everybody.